Welcome to the International Teacher Podcast with your host, Greg, the single guy, and Matt, the family guy. We're recording episodes from around the globe to tell you about the best-kept secret in education. That's right, it's teaching overseas. We're glad to have you. So I'd like to welcome our next guest, and this is going to be an exciting interview. We have... Elliot on with us from Hong Kong, and we're here to talk a little bit about recruiting websites, his website especially, and other parts of the world. So welcome to Elliot. Welcome to our show. Thanks, Greg. Thanks so much for inviting me. Sorry that Matt's not here. Matt, the family guy, is is definitely family guying it this weekend. And Kent, the cat guy, is doing something with his, I don't know what his cats are doing this weekend, but he's like learning tennis or learning flute or something right now. So they can't reach out to talk to you. I'm sorry about that. All good. It'll be a good one, you and I. I know that you've listened to our podcast before because we had a a little talk about that and you have a a police story ready for us. We're not going to start with that, but you have one already ready to go. Thanks to Andrew Hollum, who we we have to plug again for being on our, our millionaire show. That was fantastic. So we need you and I, Elliot, we need to get more listeners than that podcast is what we've got to do. Let's do it. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about like we do with our other guests. Can you give us the nutshell version of the, the elevator version of how you got into international and how you got to Kong, Hong Kong? I studied in Budapest and my very first night of the semester abroad that I had changed my entire life. I went to business school for my undergrad and very first night before I got to Budapest, I took two weeks and traveled through Italy, my first time ever leaving the US. And it changed everything. I remember the first night having dinner on a you know cobblestone Italian downtown uh, Rome, uh, like in a plaza, this really little boutique cafe and the lights you know the old school lights are out and they're kind of like yellow colored and then around the corner i heard this violin playing and i thought to myself that's got to be a recording and so when i finished the pizza that i was eating of course like that's the first thing an american would do in 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 rome is get some pizza i walked back to my hotel and there was just a guy playing violin just beautifully and I thought, oh, this is Europe, and this is was so easy for me to get here, and it's so different, and I love it. And ever since then, I just wanted to spend time around the world. Okay, so did you go back and get your teaching degree after you went overseas then for good? So after uh, I studied, uh, I actually graduated abroad, and then I found out about teaching through my first job. I moved to San Francisco after college, after my undergrad. And I would just stare at this globe for like the hour of my lunch every single day. just obsessed with globes and locations. And my supervisor was like, Elliot, have you ever considered teaching abroad? And like my eyes just lit up and I was like, because I had been like kind of trying to figure out another way to get abroad. I knew that you could study, but there's only like so much like studying you can do eventually like you need to get a job, right? And so I was like, what do you mean teach abroad? And she was like, yeah, like you can get an English teaching job abroad and and then off you go. And then that next fall, I was in Prague getting my CELTA certificate. So to teach English as a second language. 
did that for a month. And then while I was there, uh, my family's originally from Lithuania. And so I was traveling to Lithuania and my, uh, my, my teacher from Prague was like, Hey, Elliot, have you found a teaching job yet? And I was like, no, I'm just kind of backpacking around enjoying it. And, and he was like, Oh yeah. So my good friend manages a big English school in Ho Chi Minh city, Vietnam. And at the time I was like, no way. I just want to stay in Europe. I love Europe. Uh, and then I like Google imaged Vietnam, Ho Chi Minh city, Vietnam is city that I'd never heard of. And I was super fascinated by what I saw. And then 30 days later, I was teaching in Ho Chi Minh city, Vietnam. I did that for a year. I uh, loved it. I was my eyes were open to Asia and just the variety and everything that a far off culture brings. So I wanted to stay in Asia, but I wanted to leave Vietnam and I wanted to go to a place where I could learn a language that felt more like a skill. You know, you can learn a little bit of Vietnamese, but essentially when you leave Vietnam, it's kind of like you never use it again. And so being that the motivation was to pick, kind of pick up a language that would be useful, like, you know, in maybe other aspects. Um, I went to China and I got a job in Shanghai, I taught there for three years. Um, and I studied Mandarin. And then after that, I went to Seoul, South Korea, and then I taught in, in Seoul for a year. And then I was like, all right, teaching is really cool. I like it. And I want to, um, like I want to make more and I want to like have summer paid holidays and I wanted to be like a, a credentialed teacher. I, I found out about international schools and international schools, as you know, are different than English language teaching schools. And so I did a lot. I researched all about international schools and I was really fascinated how there was like a network of international schools around the world that if you want to teach in Paris or Dubai, Tokyo, Buenos Aires, you can just go to one place for a few years and then kind of transfer to another place in another couple of years. And so I went back to San Francisco, did my graduate school in education, got my uh, multiple subjects teaching credential to allow me to be certified in elementary education. And, and um, that was just a year ago. And so I graduated um, while I was doing the uh the credential program i applied to the international school in san francisco like the french american international school and they hired me um to teach fourth grade full-time while i went to school full-time and uh and then yeah i finished that a year ago or so and then i you know the whole plan the whole purpose of getting the credential was because i wanted to keep doing this and so um luckily crazy but my professor from sf state knew the principal uh at an american school here in hong kong and so i didn't even need to apply to my professor just like just like from prague my professor just highly recommended me and i just needed to send over my credentials and then here i am today well i don't even know what to say to that you covered so much in that little monologue you, you covered both strands because there's listeners thinking, I need to go overseas. I need, I'm just going to teach English. What you brought up is really interesting because you can do it for years and have fun, support yourself to a limit, right? You can support yourself, live on a shoestring sort of because they don't pay very much. We've had different guests on before that have worked for English language schools. But yeah, it's, it's, you hit, it, hit the nail on the head, but you don't have to learn a language to teach overseas if you're certified 
in teaching in the States, whether it's elementary, middle school, high school, whatever, like you found out. And that's great. And it's also, you hit that number one rule too. It's who you know, right? You didn't, you didn't have to read my book, right? I wrote this book, Finding the Right Fit, came out in 2022, February 14th on Valentine's Day, because I didn't have a Valentine. I thought I'd have a little baby. And my book came out. So you didn't even have to read it because you bypassed the whole recruiting seminar, the whole recruiting idea. Knowing somebody in another school happened to be a principal and you, bam, you got a contract. I love that because it doesn't happen to everybody. A lot of us have to struggle, find that right school or find a school to get into this family. If you look around your school, how many people have taught in other schools on your staff? What do you think right now? It's a great question. I think that other, I know that I teach third grade and I'm pretty close with the two women who also teach third grade. We're all, you know, co-teachers. And I know that one of them taught in the U.S. for a couple of years. And then I think this is her first international post, but she's been here for seven years now. Wow. And then the other teacher that I work with, she taught in Egypt before this. So I think this is her second international school. But you're totally right. I specifically designed um, applying to the French American International School in San Francisco, knowing that this is really a network, a string of um, like a vertical and industry. And as soon as I got into the uh, French American International School of San Francisco, I, as you put it, my foot would be in the door and I could step on, you know, up to the next step. Well, you even gone farther than we have because, yes, it's your first year officially as an elementary teacher in the international business. And b- believe me, if you start talking more around the water cooler, you're going to you're going to find out where your teachers have been all over the world. It's a small little network. I call it the the smallest district in the world of schools, but it's worldwide. All of the prof- all the people know each other. The teachers get to know each other. It's that six degrees of Kevin Bacon thing. 100%. That's a really good way to put it. Yeah. And it's crazy because everybody knows. I know somebody that knows somebody else that knows somebody else. You know, and we're talking a little bit about this. I know that you're originally from Iowa, you told me. And in Iowa, they have the University of Northern Iowa Job Fair. And it comes up every February, first weekend of February every year, except for the last, maybe the last year. But that face-to-face fair is awesome because you're in the middle of Iowa, which you know, like it's in the middle of the wintertime, right? In in Waterloo, Cedar Falls. still tons of snow right now. Yeah. And all these teachers just show up, like 900 teachers show up. And like a hundred schools send representatives to Iowa. <laughs> and I remember sitting in the little the little mini cab from the airport to the, to the where I was staying. And in this little airport shuttle, there's people from like Pakistan. There's, you know, a white guy from Pakistan. I'm like, what? You're from Pakistan? He's like, I'm not from Pakistan. I, I work in Pakistan. You're right. And somebody from Hong Kong or somebody from Russia. And somebody from this little country I've never heard of before. And they're all in the same little, like, what's going on here, right? I know, it's so random. Isn't it weird? Yeah, it's so weird. Like I said, though, it's even though it's your first year international teaching with the accreditation, like the certificate from San Francisco, you have gone a step further. We need to get into the meat of this, what you want to talk about. Tell me, how are you helping other people into the niche of international? Tell us about that. 
The website I built is called nomadicteachers.com. It's essentially my spreadsheet that I did so much research about in order to design the perfect place for me to teach. I knew that every place has its advantages and disadvantages. And I personally am a member to search associates, but I know that there are plenty of other places that um, can help you find jobs. But what I didn't like about search associates is for one thing, I didn't end up using their services, although I paid for the membership. And as soon as my representative who contacted me and what a cool guy, uh, he and I had a ton of uh, conversations before I came to Hong Kong and just answered all my questions. And yeah, I feel like he was just really a cool guy. But their policy is that, first of all, it's quite expensive, right? It's like a few hundred dollars. And then again, I didn't even use the service, but I, I still wanted to use the database. But as soon as I told them that I got a job, they declined and canceled my membership and I didn't even use anything from them. And so I was just like, that's wrong, man. They cut you off as soon as you got a job, they cut you off. They completely cut me off. And I said, you know, although I found a job, I, I have some weird passion where I just like looking at international schools around the world. I still would like to use the database and just see which international schools are in different countries and, and use their information to just scour and, you know, get information. And they were like, no, you have a job. You like your membership is done. And I was like, oh, that's terrible, man. And then, so then I was like, all right, so if I ever make something, it's going to be that if it's just, it's just like, if you're a member, you're a member. And then second of all, the thing is, is like, what I wanted was really, really specific. And none of these other places like scroll or search can help you find the job that's right for you. They only help you find a available job. So let me give you an example. When I was in college, I studied Mandarin, and so I can speak Mandarin, and I love skateboarding, and so I love the sun, and I love being outside all the time. And so I wanted to go to a place that I could skateboard year-round, I could practice my Mandarin, but then I've also been sort of like a personal finance like nerd since I was like a really young kid, and I like reading all these personal finance books as like a, just like a teenager and all this stuff. And so I knew how valuable a low tax rate was. And so, you know, especially coming from California, which, you know, I went to California because that's like the skateboarding Mecca of the world. I was spending a ton of money. I mean, it's 25% tax rate in California and I wanted something lower than that. So I made this gigantic spreadsheet using sources like Wikipedia for all, all of the list of the countries. And then I got all of the taxes that every country makes you pay and i just made a crazy spreadsheet where it's like based off climate tax rate the happiness rating of the locals the rating of the hospital and just everything that was important to me and i wanted to be able to filter to find the exact best place that i could design what i like to do while coincide teaching and so i did that and then the numbers came up and then hong kong is the best place for me to be because I get to practice my Mandarin and I get to skateboard year round. Their tax rate is really low here. I'm saving kind of an insane amount of money. Also, what I've added since I got my own job, once I added to the website is the average cost of rent, cost of living. 
And so here in Hong Kong, the cost of rent is pretty high, but if you know how to search like a local, you can get it really low. So I pay less in rent than I did in San Francisco. I spend a lot less in tax and I just take home so much more. And I wanted to make a website that helps everyone else do the same thing too. You made a website that you wanted to have. And that's, I did the same thing with my book. I wrote the book that I want to read. When I went to a job fair, the way I did it was I had a conversation with somebody at a cocktail party and they said, you got to go to Iowa. I'm like, what? I didn't understand this. Like somebody mentioned it to you in California. Hey, you should go international. And you're like, what? I don't know anything about it. So you reach out for information in the information age. You want information. It's not all there. And you've taken a niche way of doing it. I love the way that you have that. And I wanted, I, I keep looking up while you talk. And just so you know, I'm looking at a big screen. And I have it on your website. And I was going to ask you my first question I even wrote down was, listeners need to know on the left-hand side of his website, it's very simple website, and it's very, which is easy to use. On the left-hand side, you have all these filters, and then the schools populate on the right-hand side as you do your filters. And one of them is happiness. And I click on, on happiness filter, and I can choose high, low, average, etc. Tell me about the happiness. 100%. Yeah. So it's a great question. Basically, the comp- the website is is built like a, a calculator. So none of it is subjective at all. It's all subjective data points that I bundled together for the purpose of international school teachers to find the best job for them. Everything is based off statistical data points. How long did it take you to do this? I mean, did you spend like five years while you were teaching English? Did you have this in the back of your head? Or did this happen as you were researching for international schools in San Francisco? Yeah, so I built the spreadsheet when I was in San Francisco for myself. Got it. But then I built the website uh, about two months ago. Yeah, on my free time, I build websites and I love design. And so, yeah, this is just one of my websites. COVID site. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You spent your COVID time with website design. I could see that. It's very simple to use uh, listeners. I love it. I haven't seen anything like it. That's one of the reasons I reached out to you because we were on Facebook. When you showed me this website, I thought it was great. I immediately logged in free, like you said. And at some point you might have to get some revenue to back up your, your work on it. But of course, one time member, right? I love it. And there's not a lot of websites out there. So wow, this is fantastic. Your school would be in there for happiness for you, right? You could go in here and do all these filters and scientifically, mathematically find a school. Yeah, like I said, what it is, is like I built a calculator based off a spreadsheet and then I just made it look pretty using a website. We like pretty and we like easy because I'm not a math (laughs) guy. I go with icons. (laughs) I teach fourth grade math, but I I can like the icons, that's for sure. Wow. Yeah, cool. I'm glad. Thank you so much, Greg. Yeah, it's great feedback. I appreciate it. Well, I hope that we build up your base because it's really going to, I mean, once you get more feedback from people, it's going to explode. And I'll tell you, here's a, here's a story for you. I know we're, this is partly stories back and forth, but when I was in, in Honduras in 2002, this was my second year of teaching, and a buddy of mine, he was teaching also, Scott Meach. And I said, looked at each other. We said, we need to come up with this website. We go on there and we're like, we should call it something international schools or something. And that was the year that ISR came out, the International School Review. 
and I have been a member right. of that yearly for years since they came out because I don't necessarily promote the website as a great source of truth. I promote it as a knowledge base. I need to see what's going on out in the world. I think a lot of people go on that website and not to speak poorly of them, but to speak about their website content. I think a lot of people go on there and it's a bitch session. Mm, right. Well, something happened to me, wah, 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 and it's based on a 10-point questionnaire for a school. I mean, how do you rate a school based on 10 questions, right? Right. Back to my point was we wanted to build a website back then. We came across ISR. We created our own, which failed because we had a pyramid idea that you could become a member if you fill out our questionnaire. And it was like the good, the bad, and the ugly. So a survey of like 40 questions, 50 questions. But who in the right mind would spend all that time, 50 questions to get to a website that had no information in it? Because we had just started. I, I didn't know anything about it. I was trying to get information about other schools in a friendly way. In order to get something out of it, you had to put a lot of work into it as a member, a new member. Didn't work for us. You're giving us a ton right. of information. Yours is going to work really well. You're handing everybody else the information. We were relying on information from teachers. It didn't work out. Bam, yeah. crash and burn. You've done a great... <laughs> no, I love what you did. Thank you so much. Nomadicteachers.com. You all, listeners, you all need to log into this and see it. I've been... Doing this for over 20 years now, Elliot. I'm old. I need a cane and walk around. Oh, man. And this is awesome. Pure statistical analysis, right? Wow. Uh, 100%. I don't know where to go from there, man. Maybe we need to break into some (laughs) stories or something. Can you tell me some stories? You live overseas. You've got this great website going on. What are some more things you can talk about with us? anything man um yeah like i said i really love to skateboard so i've been doing that since i was like four my stepdad got me a, i mean you know, uh, you know how like some dads will like put a baseball in a boy's hand it's like that didn't happen to me like i just got a skateboard from day one so i've just been skateboarding like ever since and uh it's what i like to spend my free time doing and yeah recently uh, since COVID happened i bought i think my first or second computer i went through like undergrad and grad school without ever owning a computer some people describe themselves as being like a low tech person but i was a no tech person i rarely ever had a phone and i would just travel with like nothing and like i mean nothing but my skateboard yeah so and so covid happened and then all of a sudden i was like you know i want to like get on the internet out like i want to learn about this so i bought a computer and then I came to Hong Kong and I made my first website um, when I was in COVID in the quarantine hotel. That's like take um, it, that's not nomadic teachers. It's like it's a different one, but like that's really taken off. And so ever since then, I uh, have just been like really baffled by how like what you can do with the internet. And so then I made nomadic teachers, and now I really uh, and you know my skateboard background is like that's all art and design. And so I've always loved art and design. And then now I'm just just getting into technology and this has only been like six months. And so this is kind of like my new thing, but yeah, my free time, I just skate. What kind of skateboard are you? I mean, aren't there like the, the really long skateboards with small wheels and people are like laying on them like a luge. Are you like the old time guy that has like a skull and crossbones on it and you do flips with it? Or do you do that wild stuff where you go down a stairwell and it's got the hand railing and you ride down that. I mean, are you doing all that stuff? Yeah, I love the skull and crossbones, but yeah, that's kind of my generation <laughs> before me. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I kind of, yeah, I'm like the the stair, handrail, like 
you know, the typical like trick skateboard. I got my skateboard right here, but yeah, just like, it's like a normal skateboard. And I just like, I do tricks with my buddies and it's kind of like my, like my own lifestyle. Oh, it has hello kitty on there. Doesn't it? Yeah. Uh huh. No skull and crossbones. That's my generation. No, I'm just joking with you. Living in a big city like Hong Kong, you must have opportunity to do some of that urban, like just to really go off on skateboarding or are there skateboard parks around you? There are skateboard parks. Yeah, I went out skating last night with some buddies and just a couple places like by the water. They, you're right, though. I mean, the urban environments are where it's at. It's like, it's why I moved to San Francisco. It's why I went to Shanghai. It's why I went to Seoul. It's why I always choose big cities because those, like, that's where the skateboard communities are. All right, all right. Let's take a moment break for a little contact information. We'll be back in five seconds. If you want to give us a little shout out and reach out, you can find us on Gmail at internationalteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Remember, complaints can be addressed to Greg, the single guy. And we are also on uh, Instagram, ITP Expats. All right, so here's a good international teacher topic then that goes directly with skateboarding, all right? I know you've broken some bones. So let's say you go out tonight and you're going to, after the interview, because it's evening right now, right? Right there. So you go out tonight and you skate in the dark and wham, you throw, you, you break your wrist, right? How's the insurance for your school? You don't have to be specific, but is it a good program? I mean, I have a good insurance backer. I have good insurance with health, enough to go into a hospital, get taken care of and not get swamped with those prices back in the States. How about you? hundred percent. That's a great question. So yeah, healthcare is always really important to me. And again, that's one of the reasons that there is a healthcare filter in the website. Our school does provide healthcare. And from what I understand, it is the uh, public Hong Kong healthcare. And actually it's kind of like, you know, Taiwan, Singapore, like these smaller countries have pretty good public healthcare. However, I opted to the also private. So I can go to public or private and I kind of, I pay, I think I pay $300 a month for it, but you're right. I, I mean, I skateboard, that's my main thing, but I'm always like, I'm super active. And so like, I've, you know, I definitely spend time in the hospital because you're right, I've broken bones. I'm like, I'm always injured. I definitely always have like cuts and bruises on me and I'm all banged up like all the time. And so <laughs> um, I need, like, I need to make sure that I have good insurance. So for me, uh, my school does provide it, but they also, ask if you would like privatizing it like other insurance because the, the big difference is the the public is good but they have long lines and especially now that COVID is happening if some emergency has happened you know has happened i really want to be able to you know see a physician quick a physician quickly so how are the skateboarders in, in hong kong are you challenged are you impressed are you or are you with other international like expats doing this stuff talk to me about that a little bit of both but they are awesome it's a super cool tight-knit group that I've come across somehow and they've accepted me in this little Hong Kong bubble of theirs. Expats, there's locals and it's a super, it's a super cool like little um, community. Yeah, it's awesome. Where I live, my happiness actually comes from not skateboarding. I mean, you couldn't get me on a skateboard, but I'm, I'm a saxophone player, believe it or not. I mean, I started after 30 years. I found a jazz band. I mean, like the music teachers from different schools around the area I'm in, they came together 
and they founded a jazz band. So I've been playing big band jazz, and it was sort of like the old movie The Commitments. I don't know if you ever saw that long, long time ago. It's an Irish band that makes it really big, and at the top, it just breaks apart. Everyone goes their own way. Well, right before COVID hit, we had a huge, huge concert of 900, almost 1,000 people in this big conference hall. Up on stage, we played the best we'd ever played. We had about 30 people on stage, and we recorded it, had a great time. The next day, we went out in the desert and did one just for free. It was amazing. It was like the best thing in the world to find a band. I've been overseas for 20 years. I'd never been in a band before teachers you have to do all these other things to keep you sane so you get out and you go bam you get that skateboard do you live in this huge like tall building and you have to go down the elevator 30 floors and go out and skate is that what it's like you know in the place that i live in i actually live in a pretty low rise apartment building there are only five floors and unfortunately there's no elevator so it's like it's kind of <laughs> like climbing a mountain each time i have to come home but it is definitely, you know, again, as you mentioned, skateboarding is best done in urban environments. So a lot of the teachers that I've met like to live a little bit outside of the city or like on the outskirts because, I mean, Hong Kong's beautiful on the outskirts, right? There's like, there's hiking, there's the beach and it's chill and quiet. But for me, I love like hustle, bustle, busy places. So yeah, I walk outside my door and I'm downtown and I just get swept into the thing of things, you know, and, and I really like that. And Hong Kong, I've never been there. I will go there. You asked me that before. Uh, have you been to Hong Kong? I have not. And I can't wait to go at some point. Let's talk a little bit about transportation around Hong Kong. If I go there as a teacher in one of the international schools, are you subwaying it? Are you walking, busing, public transportation? Do you have a bike? Uh, do you skateboard the whole way? I mean, most of us don't skateboard. Tell me a little bit about transportation. Transportation is awesome in Hong Kong. There is a really totally fulfilled system of subways and trains, um, like trams, trolleys, underground subways. There's the bus system. It's really affordable and it's super easy to get to wherever you want. I, I don't skateboard that much. Unfortunately, it's like one of my favorite things to just do is skate around the city, but it's so busy here that it is really hard to even go anywhere. I do have a bicycle that uh, I, I bike to work and it's this uh, like old man bike. It's a super like old, uh, yeah, rinkety bike that you, you would like either be a DJ and like put your records on the, the crate that's in front oh. or like it's like a old school, like, I don't know if you're like a, if you're taking like plants or flowers to the nursery or something. Yeah, it's like a really old bike that goes super slow and it's got a basket on the front and the back. And yeah, I bike to work and it takes me like maybe 15 or 20 minutes. So that's really convenient. But yeah, as far as transportation goes, there's also the ferry because Hong Kong is a city that's divided by a, a, you know, a waterway, like the bay. And uh, so you can take the ferry. And again, that's really cheap. It's fun, it's convenient. It's great. Well, that's, and you've only been there for a year, right? Six months. Six months. So if I so I can't ask you the question like where do you like to travel from there because that's a good question for people that live somewhere but we'll let you get situated and get you back on the show later and you could talk about like where holidays are Hong Kong's another place which you can outreach it's a hub you can go lots of different places it really is. tell me some of the places that you have traveled around as a teacher and as a just as a traveler not a tourist but as a traveler. 
When I was teaching in Vietnam, I took my two weeks vacation and I backpacked through Indonesia. That was super cool. I uh, landed in Jakarta. I had no plans. I had zero reservations for anything or any place or any hotel or anything at all. And I land and I hopped in a taxi and I said, hey man, just take me around. I don't know if I want to stay here in Jakarta. And he just, he was like, what do you mean? Just take you around. I was like, yeah, just drive for 30, 30 minutes. And so he just drove and I was like, actually, I kind of want to get out of here. And he, I was like, why don't you just take me to the train station? And so he took me to the train station and I just hopped onto the train and I got the next train like to South because all I wanted to do was go surfing in Bali. And so, you know, Jakarta's North of Bali. So all I did was didn't even know where, like where to go or what to do. And I didn't want to buy a train, train ticket the whole way, because maybe if I wanted to stop off. So thing is like, um, yeah, I just, anyways, backpacked and just got into a bunch of like adventurous stuff. You know, I was think I was like 25 at the time. Uh, that was cool. So yeah, Indonesia, I've been to Cambodia, taught in Vietnam. I went to Japan for a couple of weeks. I took a, uh, probably the coolest trip I've ever done is uh, while I was teaching in Shanghai, I took a ferry boat from Shanghai to Osaka, Japan. It took two and a half days and we slept on the floor and it was just absolutely epic because again, remember like at that time, like I, I didn't own a phone, I didn't own a computer. So like Wi-Fi like was not a matter at all. Like I just had my notebook, my computer and like, I don't know, like a pair of jeans and a couple of shirts, like maybe you know and uh so that was super cool because you would wake up and you're surrounded by nothing but water and then you go to sleep and then you wake up and you're still surrounded by nothing but water and then suddenly as you uh, as you approach japan you see one tiny island and then 30 45 minutes later you see a little bit bigger of an island and then an hour later it's a little bit bigger and then suddenly there's a big island and that's the island of japan and you're just like damn, this is what the whole teaching abroad experience is all about, man, you know? And so I just love that one. So those are a couple of places. So you journal, did you journal on these trips? I mean, you must, if you had your notebook, you mentioned, and you just start journaling, keep track of information, contacts, and things like that you learn along the way. Are you writing a book about this? I think you should. Thanks, man. Yeah, no, I love journaling. I have not, not had, in fact, I've got my journal right to my left of me. I have always a journal and a pen been doing that since I was like 17 or 18 and I have like tubs and tubs that are completely filled back in Iowa my mom's place of journals oh be careful and, uh, be careful I left yeah. my journal from when I was an overseas um, international student back in high school I left Elliot I left my journal at my brother's house my mom, she says to me one day, oh, I read your journal, Greg. I'm like, what? You, she read my <laughs> journal. She's like, this is my, right. se I was 17, 18 in Germany, right? I imagine things I went through and I wrote down. Right. Holy cow. Yeah. No, my mom is, you know, she's super cool. She could read anything and she'd be like, oh, this, yeah, that was good. You should have did this. And I'd be like, oh, you're right. Yeah, no, it, it, totally fine. But I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think she does. I think she respects it. But you're, but to answer your question, I write all the time. I love writing. So your book is coming out soon. We'll look for your book. We don't know the title yet, <laughs> but it's going to challenge my my stories of my book. The first half is how to get through a job fair, like Iowa ISS search that you mentioned. And I wish I had known about your website. I would have plugged that somewhere into my book too, but it wasn't alive at the time. 
and I mean your book or my book or your website and it's going to be exciting I was thinking about writing something about the new stuff that's out it might have to be a live book because there's so many websites out there like you I mean I just basically go to your website and see the information but there's a lot of people reaching out into our field now and trying to share knowledge there's more books out now there's probably 10 or 12 books out now about international job fairs teaching living in different countries there's a lot of journals like a lot of people in my life in tanzania uh, american teacher goes to africa for two years you know there's some great books out there like that i've read but uh boy your stories are going to go all over the place because it sounds like you've traveled a lot and vietnam man do you remember the coffee in vietnam oh there was not a day oh. that i did not have a coffee i actually drink tea a lot more i like coffee but I, I probably have one or two coffees a week or something like not a lot right and uh but i had a coffee a day for sure every day in vietnam because those are so good i remember because when i was in vietnam i two things happened i had great coffee and i got pulled over by the police for diving but anyway the coffee if i'm not mistaken when i was there in ho chi minh city slash saigon of the day they had this little glass, eight ounce, like we serve beer in Wisconsin. It's an eight ounce glass, maybe 10 ounce. And then it's filled with like an inch or a half inch of condensed milk, right? Sweet condensed milk at the yep. bottom. And then yep. the way, if it's at a restaurant, they'll, they'll put the glass in front of you and there's a little metal filter on top with coffee in it. And they come along and they, they yep. give you a, like almost like a hot water tea type of service and they pour it into the glass for you and it slowly filters down and it's delicious. Oh. Yep. Yeah. I, I got it on the exactly. head. Is that my memory? It's just like, that was a long time ago, man. Yeah, it is just like that. That is for the hot coffee. For the cold coffee, they don't usually drip it in like that. They usually give it to oh, you. Oh, it comes up mixed. the hot coffee, that is exactly it comes on mix the hot coffee that i can't believe how much detail you remember about that because that's exactly what it is with the stainless steel filter that they put and it drips through exactly like that yeah i'm gonna go back and get one because that was pretty amazing that and the motorbikes and all that stuff and while we're talking vietnam i'm gonna tell you my story real quick my friend mario and i went there from cambodia we went over to vietnam just on a trip we didn't know where to go we we're just like ho chi minh city so we get to ho chi minh city on a bus we leave ho chi minh city to go to Dalat, which is a, in the center in the mountains to go to some strawberry festival like they're like you've got to get the strawberries we've read about it in the shoestring budget book or whatever and that was no fun. I mean, all I saw were these big rats and buses of Korean and Chinese tourists, right? So we went out, we're like, let's go to the water. So we go all the way to Nha Trang, which is another 12 hour bus ride in Vietnam, which is an experience on its own, right? Traveling around by buses, just don't look out the front window, right? <laughs> we get there and it's it, and we find a dive shop so I can go diving. I have no gear, nothing. And I said, okay, I wanna go diving. The woman, the this is Australian, I think she was blonde Australian, beautiful woman. And I'm just like hook, line and sinker. I'll go diving with her anywhere. She says, <laughs> fortunately, tomorrow when you want to dive, we have a Vietnamese holiday. So the six dive sites that we have are going to be filled with our boats are filled up with snorkelers and the dive sites are going to be full of, of people out partying for the holiday. I'm like, <sighs> and she says, but we could you could hire your own boat a speedboat and i said what's a speedboat turns out to be like the 17 foot boat from the lakes you know with an outboard on it whatever 
And I said, okay, I'll do it. It was $120. I don't remember what it was in dong, <laughs> which is another story. I think that's hilarious. They call it dong. It was like a million dong was like $100 at the time. I mean, I'm dating myself, but it's weird. I go out diving with this woman. It's just her and I. She says, let's go exploring if you don't mind, because all the dive sites are taken. Well, let's go look for a new dive site. And as an experienced diver, I just wanted to go underwater. And I said, okay. So we go down underwater and I'm just watching her because she was beautiful. I didn't care if there were any fish. I didn't care if there were anything to see. We're at like maybe 10 meters underwater. And she turns to me after 10 minutes and she goes like this. She puts her hands together, the symbol for boat. And she says, you know, symbol for look. And I look up and there's two boats. And I'm like, why are there two boats above us? She gives me the sign for cut the dive short. We have to surface, find out what's going on. We get up there and there is a police boat that's tied up to our boat for diving. And the captain's talking to him. The captain says, you guys have to get out of the water. So I get, I'm like, what's going on? The guy's trying to write me a ticket for diving in the wrong place. And since, since it's the white guy in the, in the boat is in, you know, paying for it, he's going to pay for the ticket. Luckily, to make a long story short, I get pulled over for diving because they say, quote unquote, it's a, a national park. We can't dive there, which is crap. He just wanted lunch money. The captain that I had talked him out of it. Earned his tip right there, by the way. The Vietnamese driver I had, captain I had, talked him out of it. The Australian says, let's eat our lunch. We'll go somewhere else and dive. And we did, of course. But I've never been pulled over by the police underwater before. That was my, that's like my first diving story, my first underwater story. But it's a, it's a police story, which we love to share on this show. I'm segueing to your police story. So I'm back at you. Give me a police story from some country that you were in, even the U.S. It doesn't matter. Yeah, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't expect to even talk about skateboarding at all, but um, on this, on this podcast, but um, obviously I'm happy to do so. The first thing that I think of is because I skate, you know, a lot of the times that's sort of illegal where we are, because it's, you know, like the best places to go are like the government buildings and because they have the smooth ground and it's marble. And so I'm in Shanghai. And I'm with a couple of my buddies and we're filming for this video and shooting for a magazine. And I tell them, I'm like, we've got to go to the embassy. This is the place where everyone gets their passport stamped right when you arrive to Shanghai. And it had the most amazing gap into this bank. And it was just so epically beautiful that the first day when I was in Shanghai getting my stamp for my passport, I said, I've got to go back here. And so I had, I rounded up some buddies and I said, but this is a Saturday morning. A lot of people are going to go. So we have to do it really early. And so we got there, I think it was seven 30 in the morning. We had the photographer, we had the videographer to do all of the documenting. And then there was me and I, it was my job to do the trick. Right. And so I had my skateboarding, I was getting warmed up and then the police officer came and was like, what are you doing? You can't be here. It's in like this gate, like in the gate, you know? And we tried to like explain ourselves like, oh, this is, you know, for a video and like, no, no harm, like nothing. It's all good, man, you know? And then the guy asked like, well, what do you want to do? Like the police officer was like, you know, what are you doing? Cause I was just warming up, you know? And, and, and then I was like, yeah, I want to go from here to there. And he was like, no way. <laughs> He's like, no way. And I was like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do, man. And he was like, 
if if you do that, I'll let you do it. And so like, yeah, the like the filmer got into his position, the photographer got into his position. I went like up to this platform and like jumped this gap. And luckily I did it first try and he was just blown away. And so I have a photo with the police officer. I'll send it to you. Like our arms are around each other. I think he's missing a tooth or something. It was just, it was an amazing photo. And in one of those like times where you kind of find a connection with someone that for a moment you're kind of pissed off. And then all of a sudden you understand what the other person's doing and then everything's cool. And that's exactly what happened. Do you have a picture of the cop there too, right? I have the photo. Oh, that's great. I wish I had taken one of the guys that pulled me over for underwater diving. I mean, that would have been epic. What a great story. The jump was what you were doing because it was an epic jump, right? And the background and the whole scene and everything. Okay, so it wasn't like a yep. triple gainer flip, uh, whatever you guys call these skateboard skills. <laughs> Is it in a magazine now? I think it got published. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely in a video. Uh, yeah. I have the video and I have the photo and then I have the photo. I have the video and the photo of the trick, but then my photographer friend was like, like, get over here. Like you guys should get a picture together. And so, yeah, I've got a picture with the police officer too. And he was like smiling and I'm just like grinning too. It's a funny time. And like I said, it was by that point, it was like nine in the morning. So it was just a weird time, weird place, weird thing for this police officer to see. And then it all kind of came together. He was just curious of what's going on. And then all of a sudden he's part of it and he was real proud. He's probably telling all of his buddies. Well, you send me the link. I'll include it with the podcast because I'd like to see what we're talking about too. It's always fun to search a little bit after we talk about something. Naturally, we'll include your website at the bottom too. And I just want to be awesome. cognizant of time here. We if the, see if there's anything else you want to talk about. I want the viewers and the listeners to know that you know, go to nomadicteachers.com. I want to help you find the place for you. It's cool. It's a community. And let me know if you have any other questions. I want to thank you, Elliot. It's been a great time talking with you for this. We've talked about a lot of things from Hong Kong to Vietnam to traveling and different kinds of teaching, etc. And of course, I'd like you to leave you with a chance to tell us how to get in touch with you. 100%. Yeah. Go to nomadicteachers.com. If you have any questions, email me, hello at nomadicteachers.com. And uh, yeah, join the community and find the job that's right for you. Thank you very much for seeing. And I'll see you on Facebook. I think we're in the International Teachers. There's an International Singles Teachers group. And we'll see you online and do that. Thank you so much for being our guest. It's been a great time talking with you, Elliot. Total pleasure, Greg. Thanks so much.